And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley. As we begin a Wednesday, Gary, welcome to February. Oh, yeah, it is February and I'm just sitting here going through uh, different audio cuts from yesterday. And so thought we could probably lead uh, the show with uh, Chuck Schumer. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Here we go. You ready? I'm ready. Sis boom, rah, rah, rah. Here yeah, we go. Yeah. Okay. All right. You can use whatever train metaphor you want, anyone you want, but get on the Joe Biden Express now because we are not stopping. <laughs> get get on the Joe Biden Express. Woo! <laughs> I'm sorry. I just... <laughs> I love trains. No by joke. By the no way, joke. By the, he wasn't saying that ad lib. You could tell he's re- yeah. his head's down like, I get, have to read this. Get on the Joe <laughs> Biden train right now. It's fun for the whole family. <laughs> How's everybody doing? It was a interesting uh, a trip for me. My 28 miles uh, uh, in. Yeah. A nice... Uh, Nice, really icy streets, and it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse over the next 24 hours. Yeah. And we we were supposed to be, a couple of days ago, by the time we got to this point, this was supposed to be like the end, and now it's like tomorrow's supposed to be the worst that we've had over the last few days. Yeah. Huh. Um, in fact, they keep extending it. I know. Uh, it was going to turn into rain uh, not just a few hours ago. The forecast said by late Wednesday night. It'd be turning to rain, and it really is only because the temperature is only, you know, within a, a degree or two. Yeah. So if it's yeah. 33 degrees, then it's rain. If it's 31 degrees, it's freezing rain. And we've had ice on the ground. We've had surfaces below freezing now since Sunday evening. Uh, the Well, the air temperatures have been, and then the surfaces have been essentially under ice since this morning. I About 8 o'clock, I'm sitting there. I'm like, what is that noise? The city had already sent out on Monday. They sent out no garbage pickup for Tuesday. I was like, that sounds like a garbage truck. 
What is that noise? It was thunder. We had thunder sleet. So I got to the window. It's coming down. I've never seen that much sleet coming out of the sky. Rain, heavy snow, never sleet. And it was just relentless. And then lightning. And I'm like, all right, now we got a show. Yeah, you got it. You got it uh, harder here than I did south. Yeah. Now uh, Alan couldn't make it in tonight, but he almost couldn't make it in last night. He lives north, sort of northwest mm. of of here, and he got really hit hard. Mm-hmm. For me, it was more during the day the snow pellets. Yeah, and that's the sleet a, pellets. Yeah, the sleet pellets. Yeah. That's that. What I call it? Snow yeah, pellets. Yeah, that's that's what sleet everybody pellets. had. Yeah, yeah. sleet. And and that's easy. That's a lot easier to drive in. But as I got here, oh, well, the problem as, is, is with with sleet is that it only takes a minute for it to smooth over and become, you know, just a sheet of ice. Well, it was pretty crunchy. Yeah, where, where you know the first seven eight miles, and I got on the tollway, and the tollway, you know, they they plow that, they treat that mm-hmm. pretty good. That's why you pay the tolls. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that was. That was okay, but when I got off it and still have about two miles to get here, every road was just solid. I mean, solid. You could skate on it. Yeah. So it was solid right. where you're right. going three, four miles an hour. Yeah. And from people traveling on it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's just, so it's, it was just, so I was going probably two, three miles an hour and you even hit the brakes there and you can feel it slide. And when you start up, you can, Feel it sliding. I'm like, oh boy, it's supposed to be worse here over the next 24 hours. But yeah, uh, freezing it, rain is in the forecast, uh, yeah. starting a little bit in the morning, but throughout the day, it's going to be pretty heavy freezing rain continuing all the way till now Thursday morning. Um, it'll be probably three or four o'clock in the morning, according to the forecast right now. If that holds, that's going to be in a ton of freezing rain and just a blanket of ice on top of the ice we already have. And you see this thing, how it just goes, you know, just it's can just the same yeah. every hour upon hour. And then yeah. you look even at the, the the future radar and everything is still just, you know, going northeast, 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 mm-hmm. northeast, mm-hmm. coming from the southwest. And it just keeps coming. And it's just like, wow. But, uh, you know, I was expecting it. And if, you know, this it, this isn't free Zola. But the no, the roads no. could be the temperatures as bad aren't as bad free, at all. Yeah, the, the the roads could be as bad as Frisola tomorrow. Uh yeah. Um, it, it's uh, the good news is by the weekend <laughs> we're back to spring like yeah. temperatures. And I and hopefully it's yeah because I you look at the two week forecast and it's like okay get us past the middle of February and it's like okay it's going to well be, they were pointing out on okay. WFAA uh, all the recent years that we've had March snowfall. Shut up! Yeah, I don't so, remember March snowfall. Yeah, uh, t- I think they said two thousand nine, two thousand fifteen. Really? Yeah. Was yep. it a lot? Uh, don't they didn't they didn't uh, put yeah, up how much? Normally, but, but yeah. normally in February, you know, you you start with the lawn stuff by the end mm-hmm. of February. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've good. seen a few inches of snow in March. Yeah, in my time here in North Texas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe I was out of town. I just don't remember it. I, to me, it's always the middle of February. We've, I remember we had a storm. I don't know when it was, maybe 2006, 2007, right around Valentine's Day where we got like 14 inches of snow. Mm-hmm. It's the only time that I could look because I live in what you call Dallas Hill Country. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not flat. Yeah. And it's basically, an, it's an escarpment. And, and it, it probably little rolling hills. But the hill I look at, it's where all the TV antennas are. It's the highest point in North Texas. And it's the only time that I lived here where it was completely white. Mm-hmm. You know, where you could see where the trees, sometimes you get a little bit of snow and it would, you know, drop down, but it doesn't stick to the trees. Right. This was such a snowfall where the whole hill was white. I remember going out and just standing out and looking at it for about an hour, just, you know, dressed warm and but looking at it saying, I may never see this again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that kind of snow. But uh, and I haven't seen that again, that yeah. the hill looks so white. I went there. running in that snowfall oh. in my neighborhood and the guy comes by. And I guess he had made some snowballs off of the snow in his truck. And he tosses one at me, you know, in a friendly kind of way as he's driving by. I caught it and threw it back. <laughs> <laughs> that was the time I wanted. I drove around a little bit. And snow was pretty deep. And my, my neighbor started waving to me. And he said, are you okay? Yeah, I'm just going out for a ride. What? Mm. I grew up in Buffalo. This is nothing. <laughs> yeah, I had some neighbors on the way in. I had some neighbors... Uh, walking down the sidewalk. They were waving to me. They're just, like, checking out the ice. Clearly, they had their dogs with them, uh, older couple, and they were just, it looked like they were just looking at what was going on with, there's a creek that runs uh, near my house. It's uh, hundreds and hundreds of years old, I'm told, and they were looking at that. When I left here yesterday, I didn't tell those folks this. When I left here yesterday, I, I pulled out. A half a block north, two coyotes across the road. If you would have gone out the way I went out yesterday toward I-35, you would have seen them. As soon as you pulled out to this main street to go to 35, two coyotes right across the road. I'm like, yep. I see them all the time. There's there's railroad tracks right there. And there are packs of coyotes that travel and live along those railroad tracks. There's wooded area that they haven't cleared, um, and that's been the case for years. I saw a coyote right just coming in tonight, just yeah. running down right in front of me. Mm-hmm. Was running and the residential area just running. It just yeah. ran and then yeah. took, went down a side street. I'm like, wow, a coyote. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You normally you don't see them a lot. Mm-hmm. So to it was like wow. Normally I see a lot more than two. The packs that I see around here are at least four, sometimes five. I left one morning and. They're walking along the track, and I, they're not in a hurry. And they're headed south along the railroad track. So I, I stop, give them plenty of room, of course. I'm, I'm in my truck, but I roll down my passenger window when I get to the track. I roll down my passenger window. The entire pack turns around and looks me straight in the eye as if, you got a problem? Yeah. It was, it was just startling how unafraid they were. Uh, you know, I had the same thing when we were golfing one time, and I'll never forget, we're teeing off. It's a par four, so you hit the first ball, then you have to hit the second ball onto the green. But we could see this pack of coyotes. It was during the day. It was a cloudy day. And there's like 10 of them mm-hmm. just laying around on the green. Yeah. So, I've had one on my street yeah. at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So so we, we get there, and we're yeah. about 100 yards out. We all hit, well, let's hit. We hit our ball, you know, hit our balls to the green. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we all hit the green, but nobody hit a coyote. They just, you know, it, it would hit and they just sort of look. And we kept walking closer and they wouldn't move. And we're like, this is really weird. Just keep walking, just keep walking. And finally we get within maybe 30 feet of them 
and they slowly get up, and then they all turn around, and they all slowly walk, you know, just turning around their head looking at you like, what the hell are you doing? We're, we're sleeping. Yeah, but they'll you're, attack. You're, you're, and, they, and they just all slowly yeah. walked off into the woods. Yeah, yeah. If I'm on foot, I don't approach. Yeah, because they'll, yeah. they'll, they turned. We had a really horrible attack in a town just north of here uh, a few years ago, uh, a jogger. And it had been happening where they had seen them and they were aggressive, but they got this jogger and and tore up the uh, jogger's leg and finally had to, I think they ended up hiring somebody to come get them, trap them, mm-hmm. and relocate them. Yeah, the one the one that really got me the one time was when we were playing, and, and this the golf course I used to belong to was right in the middle of, uh, it was just uh, a mile, less than a mile from where our old studios were in Arlington. Mm-hmm. And the golf course right across the street, 360, you know, that runs north and south from the airport, you know, all the way down through. Yeah. And uh, right on the other side of 360, so it's all suburban. And mm-hmm. except for the golf course, and there's woods yeah. and a little creek and everything there. And all of a sudden, I'm pulling my club out, and my playing partner says, don't move. <laughs> don't move. <laughs> and we look, and right in front of us, there's a bobcat. Bobcat mm-hmm. with the... Little, oh yeah, little pups, on my street all the time. Little yeah. little yeah. pups behind, Crazy. just walking and just yeah. you know glancing at us. I mean, we're talking fifteen feet away. Yeah, and yeah. we had parked our you know, our carts in the you know in the fairway. Right, and I'm just looking back, looking for a club. He goes, "Don't move." I look up. He's like, oh, "I'm not going to move." He's <laughs> the pups are there with the bobcat. They slowly walk off right into the creek. But I mean, they were living in, and I've never heard of any attacks or, or anything, but. Uh, uh, coyotes. I haven't. And, and there, there, I haven't heard as many bobcat attacks. Yeah. Uh, there was one I know that that uh, approached a woman that had gone out to her car, but and it looked like it was aggressive. It looked like it was going to attack. Yeah. But I haven't. I, I don't recall any attacking. Yeah, I walk I, out. One I meant. Morning. I meant in that area mm-hmm. where of the golf course. I'd never mm-hmm. heard of an attack. I've heard of mm-hmm. attacks of bobcats, but I um. Rabid ones, especially. I walk out one morning in my next door neighbor's lawn, and I can only see the silhouette. I look over at uh, at his lawn, and I can only see the silhouette, and the size and the stride is different, much different than a house cat. Mm-hmm. And then it turned its head, and and you see it. I mean, the shape of the head and the fur around the mouth and everything mm-hmm. else, and it's it's unmistakable. It comes up close to the house. Uh, and then goes on the other side of their house to go into the alley because they basically travel along this old creek near my house. All the all the animals do. I, I pulled out one night, and it was garbage night, and at the end of the street is a cul-de-sac, and there was a pack of coyotes down there, essentially, because on that side of the street, the garbage is picked up in the front of the house. My side of the street is in the back, and they were out there just rummaging through everybody's garbage. <laughs> and I pull, and I thought, okay, I got to pull across with my lights on, you know, because this looks really dangerous. They're just going back and forth in this little cul-de-sac, you know, having a meal. And as I pull across and turn my brights on, they go behind those houses. Those houses all sit on the creek, and it's just, you know, it's one of those things where you just have to be aware because there's joggers, kids walking to school, yeah, you know. Or walk into a bus stop or whatever. And you just have to be aware because right now, and we've had spring-like temps. Uh, so as the weather gets warm, they're out hunting whatever's out, whatever whatever prey they can find. 
we got a great show coming up. Nikki Haley to run for president. The FBI conducted a search of the Penn Biden Center. Uh, I guess no transparency there. Mm-hmm. That was uh, that was asked to a White House representative. We'll have uh, even on MSNBC. It was asked, and of course, they just answered a different question. The story is changing. Yeah, too often, and this is a big deal that wasn't revealed. And I yep. want to. I'd like to know why. Uh, five million per qualified individual in reparations in San Francisco is not enough. Told you for a San Francisco Democrat. Uh, DeSantis responds uh, to Trump and his criticism of him. Hmm. New York City mayor pleads with Biden again for more help on migrants because you heard Chuck Schumer. We played that audio cut. Well, he was in New York to tout a infrastructure program Mm -hmm. and never, never visited Adams. You know, never, never got involved, you know, in the whole migrant thing and all. Just I'm just going to ignore it. Uh, Labor unions shrinking in the United States. Uh, we'll tell you about the black Florida Democrat who agrees with DeSantis on African-American history, that African-American history course, saying, I think it's trash. That's because of the CRT in it. Every Democrat in the House votes not to end the COVID emergency. Mm-hmm. That and more coming up. Plus your calls, your comments. Great show ahead. 866-90-RED-EYE. Leased owner-operators should be aware of four common revenue myths, lest you fall into the trap of mistaking revenue for profit. Myth one, concentrate on increasing revenue because costs will take care of themselves. This is not true, as costs are fundamental to the profit equation and the area where owners exert the most control to improve. Myth two, more revenue per mile is the answer to all problems. Though carrier pay packages differ in structure, revenue per mile really doesn't change much from company to company. But there can be a big difference in miles, overall gross revenue, reimbursements, and fees. Myth three, all you have to do to be successful is run a lot of miles. In reality, revenue is only half of the profit equation. Costs are the other half. It's possible to generate a lot of revenue, yet spend a dollar ten to make every dollar. Myth four, you can tell how well you're doing by the size of your settlement check. The settlement check is only a part of the success picture. Miles driven, loads hauled, conditions, mechanical problems, time off, and especially costs all have to be considered. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. So uh, Nikki Haley to announce that she's running for president. I mean, I think everybody sort of knew she was going to run for president. She said she contacted, called Trump mm-hmm. over the weekend mm-hmm. and told him she was thinking of running. And he said, go ahead. Yes, do it. All right. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what the back and forth is there. Yeah. As to why she believes she can run and what her strategy is, I'm going to be completely and totally honest. I don't know. (laughs) Well, I don't know why, unless it's to, unless she doesn't believe that she can win, especially, you know, against, against Trump. Um, 
in a in a primary and and I'm saying Trump because DeSantis isn't in yet. You only have Trump at this particular point. I don't know what her strategy will be, except for the fact that she has said I'm younger. But as she attacks Trump's age, he will eventually strike back. Well, that's what the and, primary is all about. Right. And so, I, I you know, it's like uh, we'll talk more about that. But, uh, again, I, I would prefer her over a Democrat, of course. I'm just talking about her strategy in the primaries. If DeSantis runs, too, what what is her strategy? What does she think is the model for beating those two? The IRS, the world's most aggressive collection agency. So good, you know you want to listen again with our podcast, available on our app and at RedEyeRadioShow.com. And he's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. Yes, so uh, Nikki Haley to announce that she's going to run. So now you're going to have two people in, and, you know, possibly is Pompeo going to uh, announce? We'll see. When will DeSantis uh, announce? It was interesting yesterday because, uh, you know, when Nikki, when it came out that Nikki Haley was going to announce, they, they talked about what she said this past weekend, where she said, look, I've never lost an election. You know, I was a good governor. I was ambassador to the U.N., I have international experience, and I'm looking, I'm like, okay, the first question I had was, okay, what's what's her strategy to run against, and you would have to look at this, if, if you're Nikki Haley, you know, odds are I'm going to run against, I'm going to be running in the primary against Trump and DeSantis, right? That's what yeah, you're thinking. Right. Those, those are, the, those are the, the big guns, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, her strategy could be I want to raise my profile – you know, do the debates, everything else, and be a viable vice presidential candidate. Right. Yeah. Which then could, you know, catapult her to be president of the United States down the road. Well, and the fact that she made the call to Trump. Yes. Is a bit of a handshake. Mm-hmm. She's asking for the blessing. Which she got. Yep. And so that sets the table for the possible connection down the road for Trump to choose her as a VP candidate. And, okay, uh, if you look at it in recent years, uh, the VP choices, (laughs) except for the current VP, have been all about international experience. She fits that bill. Mm -hmm. So if Trump chose her, I don't expect him to choose Mike Pence again. (laughs) In spite of the kind things he said in defense of Mike Pence when the documents were found at Pence's place, I don't think that's going to happen. And it's definitely not going to happen if John Bolton... (laughs) <laughs> got into the primary officially. Uh, the other possibility would be, uh, you know, a Pompeo, if you're going to fit fit that bill, uh, that uh, that um, a Mike Pompeo could be a, a vice president. 
Um, I know everybody is, is shouting at the radio. Well, no, no, no. He needs to get DeSantis. The dream ticket thing has been around for a long, long time. It's for both parties. You know, you get basically the idea is you get the 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 top two front runners in the party. And if we do that, we're unbeatable. I see the logic. It doesn't happen that way. And the reason it doesn't happen that way in this case is likely because Governor DeSantis does not want to take on that baggage. It's going to be, it will be hard enough for him, even if DeSantis decides not to run. He still, and, 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 and Trump runs. During that campaign, presidential campaign for Trump, whether he wins or not, there's going to have to be that dance that DeSantis does to both separate himself from Trump while supporting the nominee. Yeah, there's no way there's no way DeSantis would ever accept to to no. be to be uh, uh Trump's uh, uh vice president. There's no need for him to do that. Nope. He's he has built and it, and it's really incredible because he has built his own entity which is his 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 own identity. I'll put it that way. Right. His right. his own political identity that has nothing to do with Trump even though on the on the major issues, especially the cultural issues, uh, he's in full agreement with Trump. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, and that's going to be a delicate walk if he's not in. <clears throat> you know, that's going to be a very de- whether he jumps in or not, because you got to in the primary you can separate yourself. I think a lot easier. But uh, if he doesn't jump in and Trump is running, then you have to show support. If it it, it is. Uh, obvious that he's going to become the nominee, uh, that that Trump is going to become the nominee, then he's going to have to both align himself by supporting the nominee, but also separate himself in a way. And I think he can do that. I, I, you know, I look at at, at uh, like Pompeo jumping in. I can see Pompeo during the primary debate season if he jumps in, kind of being like, uh, you know, what you had with Mitt Romney in in 2012, where he's going off and he's you know, as former Secretary of State and, and a CIA director, he's lining out all the international threats, and he's absolutely right. And these are the hot spots that we need. To, and he's absolutely right, but it's it's I, he's just not a, a an exciting candidate. But I could see him bringing something to the table and making solid points on any geopolitical front. You know, during that primary season, but that's probably going to be about it but when america really doesn't care about anything exactly. going on internationally yes, exactly i mean i'm, I'm, yep. I'm being blunt here but yep. no that's, i mean no, there, you're right. there are that's important it. there are important things that are happening yep. but right now everybody when, when well, we, we brought it to you yesterday when almost 70 percent of americans are living paycheck to paycheck yep. no it's all domestic right now right it's all the economy right now and you're absolutely right and and which was my point in saying that because it, it was you know in um we'll uh borrow from Jen Psaki, as I circle back <laughs> to Nikki Haley, uh, the international experience in the primary season, uh, you know, okay, everybody will give you a smattering of applause. But if you're going to connect to the American voter, it's it, everything is domestic right now. The international stuff, unless something happened, um, you know, between now and Election Day, uh, but it is all about domestic 
uh, stuff, and it's all about the economy. I mean, yeah, there's, if, there's nothing else. If, if Russia shoots off a few nukes in Ukraine, yes, of course, yeah. that's going to yeah. all of a sudden everything's going to be uh, it will be uh, uh, international relationships. And if China uh, is threatening to go into Taiwan, then yeah. it then right. so. But the international issues aren't issues until they become issues. Right. If that, it's, if, it's, if, you, if that makes you sense. don't know until the day it right. happens and, and but, who knows. But when you when you look at the candidates so far, because when when I look if you take if you take the infighting but you know whether it's Nikki Haley and Pence and you know whether she wanted to as as Pompeo was uh saying uh, she was trying to uh get in there and, and wedge Pence out and 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 all that stuff. If you take the political infighting out of it and just judge them as candidates uh, again, you would have to see the, how they would campaign and, you know, for president of the United States and, and how they could perform when it comes to the, uh, the, the primary debates. But when you look at Pompeo is not a, he's not a weak candidate. No, no, when, not when at you, all. When you, if, if, if you say, okay, let's compare, let's compare Republicans to Democrats right now. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at a Pompeo, you're like, no, he's got he's got the street cred from being Secretary of State. He does, and and yep. he can he articulates extremely well. If you look at uh, if you look at Nikki Haley, the same thing. Yeah, I you know I was when when you know it was announced. I said, okay, let me let me find her weak spot. You know, and and I may find one as as she as she talks and how she pre- presents different things. But looking at it right now and making the comparison. To what the Democrats have to offer, and yeah, what the Democrats right. have to offer right now is Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and Pete Buttigieg. If you want to look at the top three, if you want to throw Newsom in there, you may have a stronger candidate, but not based on the issues and not based on what's going on in California. You know, right now in a variety of different things, he's vulnerable. He is. He is. He is still in the top four, I believe. For Democrats, even though he's not going to run, because Democrats are as far left as you can get, mm-hmm. but the country is not. I still think Newsom is extremely vulnerable because he's he's got an advantage in the Democratic primary because he is the governor of California, but he has a huge negative against him because in the general election because he is the governor of California. Yeah, right. And yeah. and so I think it works both ways. But I would, I would still view him if you talk about taking the issues out of it, how he presents himself. I still think that he is a viable candidate for the Democrats. Yeah, uh, he, he is the most viable if he decided to run for the Democrats based on but, their standards. Yes. Right, right, right. But right, it, yeah. but if you look at, and I'm not, we know Trump, so I'm not, you know, Trump is out of this and he's right, running, right, but right. I'm not including him in this because. We already know who Trump is. Right. But when you look at all the other candidates running, they all basically agree with Trump. Yeah. On the five, right. six issues, they all agree. Mm-hmm. And so you've got, you know, Nikki Haley. You're like, okay, we'll see what she does. But I don't see right now a weak spot where I would say that disqualifies her completely. What I would say disqualifies her is the fact that Trump, if Trump and, and if Trump runs and DeSantis runs, well, then it's like, well, it's Nikki Haley. Yeah, right. And and if Pompeo runs, it's like, well, he's just Mike Pompeo. You've got DeSantis and, and Trump. And what makes DeSantis such a challenger for Trump is the fact that he believes the same thing as 
for the most part, the five or six issues, but especially on the culture wars, he is the one that is having tremendous success in actually implementing policy and promoting policy. And that's what, right. and, and, right. and, and, you know, Trump said that, you know, that, that, uh, in the first election, you owe me. And DeSantis responded. He didn't respond until a reporter asked him about it. Mm-hmm. He simply said, he didn't mention Trump. He just said, look, Look at how I won the election. Look at the things that we've done here. Right, I right, won the election right. and won it by margins that hasn't been seen, you know, in in Florida. So I stand on my record, and, and that was he it. Used, and and which is using the tactic that we've talked about. Don't you can you can respond without engaging directly. Yes, and that is going to be the delicate <laughs> dance that is done with the other you know GOP members that are up there on the stage with Trump. Because if he becomes the nominee, eventually you've got to support the nominee. If you're not going to go full Bill Crystal, then you're going to have to support the nominee. As he, I'll read you the quote from DeSantis. And he did not bring it up. He was asked the question mm-hmm. about Trump. Right. He goes, when you're an elected official, you have to make all kinds of decisions. You've got to steer that ship. And the good thing is, is that the people are able to render a judgment on that, whether they reelect you or not. And I'm happy to say, you know, in my case, not only did we win re-election, we won with the highest percentage of vote that any Republican governor candidate has in the history of the state of Florida. Mm. We won by the largest raw vote margin, over 1.5 million votes, than any governor candidate has ever had in Florida history. Mm. So what he's saying is, oh, okay, yeah, Trump might have helped me in the first one, but, uh, you know, Trump didn't help any candidate this time around, and I did this myself. Right. That's the message he's sending yeah. out. Right. This yep. is me. Yep. This is the DeSantis brand. And when you look at Nikki Haley, because she served in the administration, she does have part of the Trump brand. If you look at Pence, he has part of the Trump uh, brand. If you have, uh, if you have Pompeo, he also served in the administration. He also has part of the Trump uh, uh, brand. DeSantis is the only one that does not have that brand. And right. stands as a brand uh, uh, alone. Right. Now, uh, in the uh, in the primaries, that may hurt those other three when they go. Well, we already got Trump. Mm-hmm. I'm already going to vote for Trump. I, you know, why would I peel off for for these people unless Trump they believe is vulnerable and can't beat a Democrat? Right. Right. Yeah. No, and, that's that's and, a good point. And and I think you know if you want to measure the the weight of the baggage, the Trump baggage, if you want to call it that. Uh, that politically that any of them carry, I would think that obviously Mike Pence carries the greatest amount of weight there. Um, I think Pompeo and Haley carry less. Yeah, I agree. And, and it's because of the nature of those roles that they were in. But, you know, but it, it could be enough. You know, it, it's it's hard to know. It's hard to just judge the sentiment especially during a primary season. And it's going to be, I think it is going to be critical because it really is the question. Is it time to move on from Donald Trump or not? For the GOP, that's the question of the 24 primary season. And that will be, and and I can't tell you what, you know, the voter is, is going to do there. I, I don't know. We can look at polls right now. We can look at a number of things, but that's the question that will be answered. Eight six six ninety red eye We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara.
personalized savings on commercial truck insurance with Smart Hall from Progressive. Learn more at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Not available in all states or situations. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. But eventually, I mean, even though it seemed like a little bit of a loving between uh, uh, Trump and and Nikki Haley, that won't last long. Nope, it can't last during a primary season. Um, uh, that's when you uh, go to your uh, corners <laughs> and come out fighting. And then, uh, and then after the primary season, uh, it goes where it goes, whoever the uh, nominee is going to be. And we'll see, you know, how that plays out. But it will be interesting to see how many of those that are everybody is talking about will actually jump in. Nikki Haley is going to be in officially, uh, well, in a matter of hours, apparently. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now... It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, we're Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. Oh, I love this here. The story from uh, from Fox from yesterday. Bill Maher trends on Twitter after getting slammed for being too right wing. Oh, MSNBC uh, MSNBC host uh, Mare Hassan said Maher was another example of a right wing reactionary white man. The left on Twitter came out in force against comedian Bill Maher Tuesday, arguing he was a right-wing culture warrior who made racist comments against minorities and has a smug, quote, smug face, end of quote, to boot. (laughs) Bill Maher trended Tuesday morning on the social media platform after CNN announced that Mars post-show segment, Overtime, will air on Fridays during CNN Tonight. Mm-hmm. But even before Mars' deal with CNN became public, the comedian was already a punching bag for some on the left after he has come out against woke education and accused environmentalist celebrities of hypocrisy. Uh-huh. Leftist and Young Turks host Jenk Unger uh, claimed that Marr was a culture warrior for the political right. Hmm. Uh, Bill Marr is actually perfect for CNN, to be honest. False, false equivalencies, propping up right-wing culture war talking points, fighting for the status quo, and that smug face. Jake Tapper might get jealous because he might be outsmugged. MSNBC host Mehdi Hassan depicted Maher as a racist. Hmm, Bill Maher is obsessed with the idea that cancel culture is out of control. 
yet uh, Bill Maher himself just got a new CNN gig despite saying outrageous things about Muslims, Arabs, and trans people making crass jokes about Asians and using the N-word on TV. Cancel culture? Okay. <laughs> uh, let me see what else here. Uh, Keith Olbermann, who was fired. Well, it wouldn't be complete. From his MSNBC gig over 10 years ago, said Mars. New deal with CNN was like uh, him giving his leftovers to the network. So Bill Maher's leftovers will run on CNN Friday night. He's just jealous because he's unemployed. (laughs) Mom! 1619 Project founder and critical race theory proponent, Nicole Hannah-Jones addressed Maher directly on Twitter. Bill, you've obviously never read the 1619 Project. Challenging a statement that Maher made in a recent conversation with actor Brian Cranston on his podcast. Hmm. If you mean more of what the 1619 book says, Mm -hmm. which is that it's just the essence of America and we are irredeemable, that's just wrong, Maher said, pushing back on teaching critical race theory in schools. Hmm. Hannah Jones shot back, last chapter literally talks about how the U.S. can be redeemed. Mm -hmm. So there you go. (laughs) You knew knew this was going to happen. I mean, this is not, I mean, this is... Yeah, it's nothing new. It's the same old playbook. Racist! MSNBC. You know, I mean, they're... I, I don't, you know, I, I don't know because I can't measure the HBO ratings, uh, you know, for a Bill Maher. And so, and I don't know that they promote that actively. HBO continues to have him on, I'm assuming. It's a fairly sizable audience, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. does that translate over to, you know, a CNN? I don't know. And we'll we'll see, you know, where where it goes. But apparently a few people see it as a threat. <laughs> Look, I you know, we can we we've been uh, critical of Bill Maher, but I don't have a big problem with Bill Maher. You know, I've I've seen some of his podcasts where he sits down and has kind of cocktails. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's trying to do the Rogan thing. Yeah, like in his like yeah. in his base. But that's okay. I don't mind. You know, like that's the fine. you know the the uh, um, the uh, uh, you know like Joe Rogan. I mean, look, Joe, uh, you and I have been critical of him because of the bizarre ideas that he has held at times. But I have no problem with Joe Rogan. I mean, I can disagree with him. I can disagree with Bill Maher. Look, we've said this directly about Bill Maher. Bill Maher was promoting identity politics along with the Democrats and never criticized them until a couple of years back. Right, right. Black conservatives have been demonized for the last 30 years Mm. by the Democratic Party. Mm Mm-hmm. 30, over 30 years. Yeah. Because I remember, I remember when uh, when I first became a talk show host in 89 and then uh, in, you know, the early 90s, especially, you know, the number of conferences I would go to because talk radio still was in its infancy. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I was new to it. Everybody was new to it. So there were a ton of gatherings. There used to be a talk show group, and there used to be a ton of gatherings, you know, every year. A couple times a year, you get together with all the different talk show hosts, and you would have people like Armstrong Williams that would be there, um, Larry Elder, yeah, you know, way right. back then, and right. and more, and they were demonized like crazy as not being, you know, they're they're not authentically black. I mean, the identity politics, really, black conservatives were probably one of the first targets of the of uh, the liberal black leadership of the Democratic Party and the Democratic Party in the media. They were eviscerated for years. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so it's been going on for the longest time, and it's only recently that that I have seen Bill Maher, and that's okay. I mean, I've, I've got no problem. If if he wants to change his mind, that's fine, but let's not rewrite the history of Bill Maher. But I'm still okay with it because he wants to know what other people think, and that's fine. No, I, that, I think that's probably, uh, you know, where otherwise I'm, uh, I might have, you know, uh, drawn – a, a line i i don't know that i you know the the thing is is that with both of them you know if you compare a rogan to a bill maher um i think the like the politically incorrect days for bill maher on abc um that i didn't appreciate as much only because the panel you know it was i i thought the panel was too big and and now a more, you know, back and forth with one or two people across from, from a Bill Maher. Uh, I appreciate that about Rogan when he gets a guest on and they go in depth and, and whatever. And it could be where either Rogan or a guest makes a comment or a Bill Maher or a guest makes a comment. And I look at it and go, eh. but I don't really, I still think that what they're doing is, is a, you know, is not a bad thing. Those are, you know, they're clearly very successful in terms of what Rogan is getting done. And I watch his stuff because clips come up all the time. I I actually paid for Spotify commercial free for a while, but their app on television is horrible. And if they were to, you know, if they fix that one day, uh, then then maybe. But I get so many of the clips on YouTube from the show I don't have time to watch a, you know, three hour podcast anyway, Mm -hmm. but I watch a few things that come up and there's a lot of stuff that makes the news and the same with Bill Maher. And I could see where you look at it. If you're a CNN, I think that for CNN, it's a good move. I I think I, I think that there's some self-reflection in Bill Maher because you can't. Yeah, I would agree that that. And and so I'm I'm cool with it. I've nothing against it. And and look. No. Uh, Joe Rogan at times, it's like, oh, God, stop. You know, I mean, some of the yeah. some of the stuff. But I, I just happened to catch a clip yesterday on YouTube where he had the physicist Brian Cox on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he comes out and 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 uh, Rogan and basically asked him about, you know, because all we know about science and they were, you know, he got into the Big Bang theory and what mm-hmm. was be- before the Big Bang. Mm-hmm. And Rogan immediately took it. He goes, well, look, he goes with science now. He goes, we find out that even though people are religious, you know, they're they're you know, they may be spiritual they're becoming less religious is this because of the science and everything that we're finding out what you guys are talking about and you know uh brian cox i mean the the english physicist he's just great because he's always smiling and he just said look let's not have science become arrogant he said you know he said we're simply telling you what we're learning 
We're not making right. any. We're not making any judgments, basically, on religion, and we, which is know, a great answer, and, right? And he said, and to and to to do that, he said, comes off as arrogant because that's not what we're doing. I'm simply telling you what yeah. we're learning, and the and arrogance we, is that they the, uh, often scientists do that in a way that they're saying basically what we believe should be your religion or should be right. in place of a religion. But, and and that's I thought was a very but, fair answer. But Rogan, Rogan accepted it. And he was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, yeah, yeah you know, I, uh, I see it. So even though I know, you know, good God, you know, people say, well, we'd like Joe Rogan because he's a conservative. He supported Bernie Sanders yeah. just a couple of years ago. He's not a conservative. Right, and, right. and and neither is, is, is Bill Maher. Bill Maher is still a, a, a liberal. I think, though, that he has seen maybe the error of the ways of the Democratic. Well, he's clearly seen the errors of the Democratic Party. I don't know if he understands the fact that he has enabled the identity politics of the Democratic Party for the last two decades. Right. Or he has done. I don't know if he's admitted that, but I don't have to have that as long as I can see he's coming around on the idea. I don't need I well, don't, I don't in, need in, somebody's confession. Right. For right, me to right. say, OK, Give the guy a chance. He's being fair. He brings on other people with differing viewpoints that are, you know, without question conservative. He had mm-hmm. uh, uh, Shapiro on, our colleague, you know, oh, yeah. because he works for the same company as we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had uh, Shapiro on. Yeah. Not the Daily Wire, by the way. <laughs> yeah. He's syndicated by Westwood One. Right. With that that uh, we are also. And so, um, and, and it was uh, very fair, you know, very, very fair. Uh, you know, discussion that was uh, was was going on. I thought, for as radical as the left believes somebody like Matt Walsh is, Rogan was great with Matt Walsh. Yeah, it was a great back and forth. Yeah, you know, yeah. and I'm like, okay, that's fair, mm-hmm. and that's I and I think that's all many conservatives are looking for is is it fair? Are you giving mm-hmm. them? Are are you just immediately dismissing their idea and screaming racist? You're like, okay. That's a decent point. Yeah, I might, I might agree with that, but I disagree with that. And that at least that's fair. And and I right. think that that's what you're seeing for somebody. You know, like I said, a Joe Rogan. If you support, and he supported very heavily a couple of years ago, uh, Bernie Sanders. Well, he's a socialist. I don't believe. Well, and the funny thing is, I actually don't believe Rogan mm-hmm. is a socialist like Bernie Sanders is. Yet he still supported him. Mm-hmm. But he's still working. It's almost like Joe Rogan's still a work in progress. He still hasn't, you know, doesn't have the vast majority of his ideology set down, which is fine because what he does is he asks a ton of questions. And it likely has to do with the experience that, you know, that that he's had. I mean, he's just now kind of even though he's been doing his podcast for years, I mean, long before anybody really knew what a what a podcast was. He's just now getting around to, you know, in in recent years. Uh, issuing uh, more more of an opinion. They're not hardline opinions. No, they're not. No. You know, he will go after liberals uh, in the cancel culture and everything else and, and the dangerous things uh, that they, uh, you know, he had Jordan Peterson on recently again. And, you know, these these things that, that he'll break down and, and, and it's the reality that everybody sees. I guess that's what I appreciate about both of them is that, you know, if you, all right, if you say something and it it tells me that you're on that position, you're on the left, at least the response isn't going after someone and saying, well, you're a racist, you're a bigot, and neither of them 
do that is, at all. Is that is that the key? Because initially we always thought the culture wars were the thing that was going to keep tribalism, you know, as you know, and and keep groups as far away from even listening to the other group. Yeah, uh, as as far as possible, the tribalism of the culture wars. But is it? You look over the last couple of years, especially with the liberal transgender activist movement that exists out there, right, right, and critical race theory. Is that what is actually going to be something that binds many people on the left and the right together? I mean, is that what you're seeing yeah. with a with the Bill Maher and a Joe Rogan? It's that the, an- I think it is the I think it's the the approach. I think it is because I honestly, whatever your ideology is. Um, isn't the point we can have if we can have the discussion, but the left, uh, the loudest on the left have not allowed a discussion at all because any discussion, any back and forth is considered dissent. And I think that's where a Rogan and a Bill Maher uh, are set themselves apart in, in that in that way. And that is that they don't use those tactics. They're willing to have the discussion. And as if you're willing to have the discussion, I respect that all day. Again, we can call them out on certain things, but those aren't, again, I don't have to, and they don't have to call anybody uh, racist or a bigot or anything else. We can just have a discussion. And I think that's what people, I think you're onto something. I think that actually will probably shape the future of it. And I also think it's why podcasts, including and maybe especially rogan's are successful i think that's part of that appeal Eight six six ninety red eye leased owner operators should be aware of four common revenue myths lest you fall into the trap of mistaking revenue for profit myth one concentrate on increasing revenue because costs will take care of themselves this is not true as costs are fundamental to the profit equation and the area where owners exert the most control to improve myth two more revenue per mile is the answer to all problems Though carrier pay packages differ in structure, revenue per mile really doesn't change much from company to company. But there can be a big difference in miles, overall gross revenue, reimbursements, and fees. Myth 3. All you have to do to be successful is run a lot of miles. In reality, revenue is only half of the profit equation. Costs are the other half. It's possible to generate a lot of revenue, yet spend a dollar ten to make every dollar. Myth 4. You can tell how well you're doing by the size of your settlement check. The settlement check is only a part of the success picture. Miles driven, loads hauled, conditions, mechanical problems, time off, and especially costs all have to be considered. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. We don't give enough credit to signs, and we really should. That sign over there tells you great French fries. That sign over there tells you this is your exit. And look at that legendary sign. It's the Motel 6 sign. It tells you a great night's rest at a great price. Book online at motel6.com. And use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. Look for the signs. 
and truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a great price when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letter CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That's a great deal. And that's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. With the Love's Express card, you save up to 14 cents per gallon, $25 on tire purchases, and even more on service costs. Go to loves.com slash diesel discount. Loves.com slash diesel discount. If you drive a big rig, you know that if your wheels keep turning, you keep earning. That's why Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running and save you money. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. Uh, yeah, so when we're, we're talking about the fact the left come, going after, uh, you know, Bill Maher and being called, uh, now he's too right-wing and, uh, and all that, and he's a right-wing reactionary white man, you know, all the labels that are coming out. And, and you know, we had said that, that I think back in, in 2018, so we're going back five years ago, when I remember saying, the Democratic Party has to moderate in some way. They just they can't continue to do this because a political party has to attempt to unite. Yeah. And the problem with the Democratic Party is when you play identity politics and you have the victim oppressor relationship, mm-hmm. everything is based on you either being a victim or an oppressor and the victims eventually become the oppressors, as we've seen, and we pointed that out as they try to expand the number of victims out there. Because something that you believe today may be absolutely fine. For, for example, you think about this. You're a Democrat and you say, well, no, a biological man is a biological man. A biological woman is a biological woman. It's in the DNA. No, it's not. Well, of course it is. You're a bigot. All of a sudden, you've gone from victim to oppressor. We'll continue this discussion coming up. individuals and businesses with tax problems listen carefully do you feel like you're losing control of your fight fi- we're just a sort of a, a offshoot and and just extrapolating out from the the story that uh, bill maher uh was uh was uh, attacked by the left yesterday when it was uh you know he does you know after he does uh his hbo show they do like a uh what is it overtime or something like that where it's or after the show and yeah, and they they put that like on YouTube or stuff like that. You can watch after. Mm-hmm. Well, they're the CNN's going to pick up that segment and put it on Friday nights, right? So it's basically be he'll have his HBO show and then the uh, the after discussion on on CNN. And we were just talking about how the uh, the left <laughs> slamming him as being too right wing now. That smug face, mm-hmm. right wing reactionary white man is is uh, what they. 
you know, uh, are referring to him uh, as. And, and you know, you and I, you know, we, we've talked about people that were, you know, Joe Rogan a couple of years ago, as we mentioned, you know, doing his very successful podcast and asking a ton of questions. But he used to be a Bernie Sanders supporter. So that's if you're a Bernie Sanders supporter, you have to say, well, you're, are you socialist or, or what? Well, you find out he's really not a socialist. You find out somebody like Joe Rogan is still working. I think he's still a work in progress as to what he believes. And I think he would probably say that. Yeah, uh, but right. he asks great questions and he, he has come out without question. And this is what you're seeing now. Uh, absolutely against, you know, the, the, the left culture wars that are going on right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the liberal transgender activist, uh, uh movement, uh, the, uh, the censorship that is coming from the, from coming from the left and the same with Bill Maher. So you can look at two people that you could view as, as saying, you know, for the majority of their life in Bill Maher, he's still a liberal. Mm-hmm. Joe Rogan, still a work in progress, but he was supporting a socialist just a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. But they are in lockstep with conservatives on the culture wars, on critical race theory, on on uh, uh, censorship, the cancel the the the, the cancel uh, culture on freedom of speech, and they look at this and they're just like, you know, what in the world happened, you know, you know, to our party? And I was asking you the question: Is that where is is that the tie-in uh, that is going to unite more people that are Democrats and Republicans? Something that we thought was going to be the huge separation. You know, that was going to be the separate because of culture wars. Democrats think this way. Republicans think this way. But Democrats have gone so insanely far that you have a ton of Democrats now looking at somebody like DeSantis. If you want to put it in the real political world, looking at DeSantis, who is fighting it in Florida and is more popular by the actual vote, yeah. as he states, I'd have to actually look it up, than because of how he won one by more votes than any governor in Florida history, mm-hmm. as he was saying yesterday. So, I mean, that's actually the real world where he's getting Democrat votes, that that is actually the tie-in. And when you see, for example, that the party itself, and we talked about the equality law that, you know, that every Democrat voted for, we believe every Democrat voted for or every Democrat but one back in the uh, in 2021, in the House of Representatives, which would have, you know, given the the, uh, the the transgender movement a huge, the liberal transgender activist movement a huge boost by basically agreeing that you know men can go wherever women are, locker rooms, mm-hmm. uh, bathrooms, uh, uh, men can compete against women. That that is, and we're pointing out that's how radical the Democratic Party is. They actually believe all of this stuff. That's the party itself. Now, the voter might not, as we're finding out, for example, if you look at Florida, if you have the ability to communicate effectively, you can move independents over and you can move uh, Democrats over, as DeSantis did in some districts that really shocked a lot of political experts out there, a lot of you know election experts. And so you can do it, but the culture wars are so insane and even on abortion you know you saw the what was it was it the 
Minnesota governor yesterday? What governor was it that signed the bill, abortion to birth? Uh, it just popped out of my head, but that, that happened uh, uh, yesterday. And the majority of America doesn't agree on that. So even in the yeah. culture war of abortion, on the culture war of abortion, right? Uh, you know, they don't, the, the, all, all of a sudden you're saying, mm, that's pretty, that's pretty radical, you know, for them to do that because the majority of Americans, the majority of women don't even agree with that. Right. As we've talked about before, based on the, 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 the polling. So, you know, it's not, it's not even okay. Should the, for example, we're going to have the, the, you know, the, the, the debt ceiling deal, you know, whatever it is. And you and I both know it's not either way, whatever they compromise on, neither way is going to solve the problem. You know, they're playing, okay, we're going to, we don't want it. We don't want to negotiate at all. We want to spend this amount of money and Democrat and Republicans know we're going to cut this. We've seen even in the deals before, it didn't change where the spending went. And, yeah. and so is that not, has that moved into the fiscal things have moved into the, the 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 background and it's the 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 culture wars and the economy the culture wars and the economy and maybe the understanding that when people hold these insane views on culture issues that you better watch out about what they want to do when it comes to things like energy and education and the border, and national defense, and people are looking at this going, well, if you hold this insane thing over here, well, this is also insane over here. Because really, that's what you have from the left on the, 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 the traditional left, I think, on the culture wars, looking at their party and going, what the hell are you doing? Well, the next progression is, well, if you're insane, because it's insane, and and you think, you know, the the Florida Democrat who agreed with DeSantis on the African-American history uh, course that DeSantis said, nope, because it's about critical race theory. Right. And he came straight out. This was Leon County Commissioner Bill Proctor, a black Democrat, agrees with DeSantis last week that a uh, proposed African-American history course that was rejected by the State Department of Education constitutes propaganda rather than legitimate educational curriculum. He said there's a grave concern about the tone and the tenor of the leadership's voices from the highest spaces in our state being hostile to teaching African-American history. Well, frankly, I'm against the College Board's curriculum. It, I think it's trash. It's not African-American history. It's ideology. I've taught African-American history. I've structured syllabuses for American history. Uh, african-american history i am african-american history and he said this is trash and so you look at that critical race theory you look at the liberal transgender activist movement the vast majority of america disagrees with it you know you see to the point get into the real world now the number of headlines out there from the left oh just because uh, just because it's black men uh, black police officers killing a black man doesn't mean it's not white supremacy well, of course it does. <laughs> well, and it, it, because it it always it, again their their playbook was disrupted, and and we we looked at the situation and like we do every situation, a case by case basis. 
I can't tell you what was in the minds of those officers that night in Memphis. I can't tell you. I can't tell you why that happened. But when you scream racism, you're using the old playbook, and it doesn't apply. It absolutely doesn't apply, but it really is all they have. Is there a is there a, a, a problem with uh, qualifications, hiring standards, uh, mm-hmm. uh, creating a unit like the Scorpions unit? All of these questions are very valid questions, but they'll be all of them will be answered hopefully through the investigation, which is how you approach it on a case by case basis, and that's the game. Now, here's Van Jones. Here's the headline. Police were black. They might still have been driven by racism. I mean, it's just, I mean, they just can't, they can't get over it. They can't, they can't stop playing they the just, game. They they just, it doesn't matter what it is. And then, well, you know, uh, all police officers, you know, they're, they're you know, they're all, re- remember this in 2020, black police officers are not police officers. They're blue. They're, they're right. blue. They're not black. Right. right. That was an that was a uh, uh, NAACP executive, I believe, out of South Carolina that said it right. you know, one of the times. It's like, no, that we're going to demonize you. You're not truly black if you're a police officer. Mm-hmm. You're not truly black if you're, you know, if, if you're a conservative. All blacks must think alike. Right. Well, that's the basis of racism, that all blacks are alike, all whites are alike. That if your skin color is this, then your mindset right. must be this. And we know that. And, it, and if it's not... That something is wrong with you or somebody else is controlling you. And we all know that's bull. We all know individuals think differently. And when you try, when you play the identity politics, and they know it's a problem. Democrats know it is, but they can't. It's like you get on the drug of identity politics, you can't get off it. By the way, it was Minnesota that signed it, uh, Governor Tim Walz, that signed that uh, yeah. abortion bill yeah. into that's... law. And it, with no restrictions. Right, exactly. And so that, I mean, that... You know, the it, it came out, it's like, okay. And like I told you, the discussions I had uh, when after uh, uh, Dobbs was, uh, th- that decision came down mm-hmm. from the Supreme Court. By the way, Obama yesterday, mm. you see, uh, he was asked the, uh, oh, no, he's asked a question. Well, I, you know, what, you know, what about uh, the COVID emergency? Well, not until the Supreme Court votes on it. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I, it's like, he was saying stuff yesterday. I'm telling you, that you was said what, Obama. Did you mean Biden? Biden. Yeah, you yeah. Obama again. Yeah. I didn't see Obama, but maybe it was, I it was it. Biden. Yeah. It was Biden. Yeah. 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 Biden yesterday was asked that question. Well, I mean, is I guess uh, he's expecting the Supreme all this to go to the Supreme Court. I, I don't have, know. I have no. I have no idea. I, is that what they're preparing for? And he let that slip. I don't know because he said, you know, it, it's supposed to be gone in May, 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 May 11th. Right. I was hoping that they were going to do it May 1st, which is May Day, May yeah. Day, you know, yeah. the communist holiday. Right. That, right. <laughs> There's a tie in somewhere with that statement. Somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. And but, you know, this is I, I, I do wonder about the conversation, though. When you look at the issues and the conversation, it depends, you know, where you're listening, right? Where you're watching the conversation. But I think people do want, are attracted to more and more these days, 
a more open conversation. I think that is the appeal of a, you know, a Rogan or a Marr or, you know, any of them. And the left absolutely hates that. That's why it's imperative for them to label it. MSNBC can't stand the fact that there might be an open conversation, right? Without, and it's not that Bill Maher won't debate or Rogan won't debate or others like them won't debate. They're, they'll debate. They'll, if they've got an issue or question with what you said, Bill Maher will, has absolutely no problem. Everything has gone so far, and if you look at the, like you, the one example, the Minnesota a bill signed into law by Governor Walls there on abortion, no restrictions, including no requirement to notify parents if a teenager goes in for an abortion. It, how far do they go? before they break that pendulum altogether, or have they already gone there? 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. Check out all the latest in news, events, trekking information, and podcasts at Red Eye Radio's website at redeyeradioshow.com. That's redeyeradioshow.com. If you drive a big rig, you know that more time on the road means more money in your pocket. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is the... 8 Radio, he is Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 uh, Red Eye. Hmm, consumer confidence. We'll have the latest on that. Is that uh, uh, that figure came out uh, yesterday, so mm. we'll have the latest on, on that one uh, uh, for you. Mm-hmm. What else we got? <laughs> is there anything else going on things and stuff oh oh yeah the vote uh for to end the covid health emergency every democrat voted against it yeah and we had said the reason that biden came out and said may 11th is because the republicans are going to vote on it this week and uh, it gives cover to any democrat that voted no that's what it did yeah well i voted no because the president lifted it by may 11th trying to take it away and when when Republicans were asked, I think it was McCarthy was asked the other day, well, the president's already, uh, you know, set the date for May 11th. Why do you need to have the vote? Because we don't believe him. Right. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's the best. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, 866-90-RED-EYE. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and listen when and where you want. If you can't listen live overnight uh, to uh, 
to our show when you're supposed to listen. That's right. It's it's required, but if you're not compliant with our requirements, we do have acceptable options. <laughs> I just, uh, during the break, went out and looked outside. And, yeah. And nothing accumulating on our vehicles yet. So. Yeah, nothing yet. No. I'm, I'm, I've had this, so I mean, I'm... I'm done with winter. <laughs> no, this is I, I was done before this year. Every year, it's like once we get, if we get a significant, especially ice, snow doesn't bother me. Uh, but if we get ice, it's like, okay, uh, this is enough. Let's move on. And apparently, we will be doing just that because we're going to have, again, spring like temps coming up uh, into this weekend, which is great. But yeah, I'm, I'm done. I don't, uh, I don't need this in my life. I don't know. Every time I go back to Buffalo, I look at my family and I say, "How did I live here?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, if it were, that's the thing is that it's it, if it were, because uh, I was born in Omaha and I lived there until <clears throat> I was four. Uh, then I decided to move back in with my parents. <laughs> and, uh, we lived in Omaha and. It snowed, you know, eh, quite a bit. Um, and I do remember that. I played a lot out in the snow. My mom said I wouldn't even wait to put my, my jacket on, my warm clothes on. I would just run out the door if I saw snow. Uh, but then from uh, the age of four on, it was Texas. And we would get some because most of that time... Uh, there was a lot of time in, in South Texas, but then in high school, moved back up uh, to North Texas. So, you know, we, we got our share of winter weather here and there. But if I lived in the north, you know, anywhere in the northern tier where snow and ice was like a regular thing, uh, I don't, that's, uh, I it, you know, it's, it, it's, it, it just, um, it's, it's too long. It's it's too long, and it's not just that we don't have the equipment and don't spend the money on the equipment um, because we don't get the 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 the, uh, the 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 amount of snow or winter weather that other places do. It's not just that. I mean, because I've been to Colorado, uh, went to Colorado the week after Christmas uh, one year with my son and my nephew, and tons of snow on the ground, and the highways were clear. Uh, and, and that's great. You can still get around, but you, there's still so many things you can't do. And like in that case, <laughs> fishing, I know there is ice fishing, um, but, uh, the type of fishing I like to do, uh, or whatever outdoor, outdoor activity or doing things outdoors. And, you know, I just like the warmer climate and always have. And I just and, don't like uh, the cold. Yeah. It's not about cause. You, when you, you could still do stuff up there. It's just, I don't want to do it in the cold. I just, yeah. as I've gotten older, I just, and, and, and then, you know, I, I'm back to see dad once a month. So I was back Thanksgiving and they already had, remember before Thanksgiving, they had that huge major snow, like in middle of November. Mm-hmm. So you finish Halloween and then you can have snow at any time. Mm-hmm. And really until the end of March, even into April, you're like, okay, is it still going to be? And it's still only in the 40s and 50s. Right. It's like, well, it started, it's, it's just too long. And so 
I sort of, you know, going back there, feel it, then come back here. And we had that cold spell, the real cold spell, uh, Christmas. But I'll tell you this, the uh, freezola, as I call it, which was when we had the, you know, when we were down to minus two degrees below zero and winds like you can't believe and the power went out and everything else. Coming up on uh, two years ago. Yeah. Two years ago on the 14th. Because mm-hmm. I think Valentine's night was the first night where we got hit big time. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, uh, that matched anything that I've that matched anything that I've ever dealt with in in Buffalo growing up there. Well, that, and that, includes- that same system sent uh, dumped eleven inches of snow on Del Rio. <laughs> yeah, remember that? Well, it was what it was was the cold and the wind. Mm-hmm. You just don't. I mean, that was you just don't get you know minus two degrees, and then that wind was probably going right. 30, 35, 40 miles an hour. Yeah, I mean that's just. I remember. I can still remember. I was trying. I was trying everything I possibly could, you know, to, I realized that the power was going to go out and I'm like, what am I going to do to my pool equipment? Mm. Cause that ended up costing me, I think everything cost me around $4,000 and, mm. and the deductible for my property insurance, $4,000. Yeah, so, wow. you know, out of pocket. And mm-hmm. so that's one thing I always think, you know, okay. Cause we keep our pools open down here. We don't close our pools. Right. Uh, but I did during Christmas time. And if I would have known this was going to be this long, I would have closed, I would have shut down my pool, you know, Saturday or Sunday, just drain the whole, uh, everything above ground. It only takes 10 minutes to do it and 10 minutes to, you know, put it back together again. And I would have done it, but I thought we we're going to be, I thought by now we'd be done with this. And now it's going to extend, basically it extended for another 36 hours, mm-hmm. you know, from what we originally thought it was going to be. So I just, I'm just sick of it. I just, I just hate the cold and I like the warmth and, uh, as long as the air conditioning's working, give me 105. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. I just, right. I, I just in, I don't know what it is, but just walking out there or walking, I mean, and I like, I do like though, I mean, it was, it's been great because there's nothing you can do here. Yesterday, I couldn't do anything. And the day before I went shopping to make sure I had everything and I just sat around the house and there's nothing to do. Mm-hmm. Sit around the house. When am I going to sleep? Am I going into work? What's the weather going to be like? I had the fireplace on, watching TV. I'm like, it's cool. But as soon as I walked outside, I went, done, mm-hmm. done. The temperatures haven't been that bad this time around. Um, the temperatures I can tolerate and the, the, the change in temperatures during the seasons, that is fine. It's just that when you get to the point of, all right, you really can't go outside. I'll... Um, I'll go outside when it's 30 degrees and there's no ice and snow. That's fine. I'll go do things uh, outdoors. Um, but when you get to the point of, you know, ice on the roads and everything's just covered, I'm ready to move on quickly. You know, but, but that two years ago where I was out checking my equipment and I remember walking out and I was dressed like an Eskimo. And I remember just looking up and the wind was blowing and it was probably you know, minus two degrees below zero mm-hmm. that we're not used to here. And we mean Fahrenheit to any of our Canadian listeners, not Celsius. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was, I remember just looking up going, this is as bad as anything that I ever dealt with when I lived in. And I think the uh, the worst, the worst cold I ever experienced was when I lived in Rockford, Illinois. Mm-hmm. And that cold, you know, it was like minus 17 degrees. I think it was yeah. the winter of 93 yeah. going into 94. It was unbelievable. See, cold. that's where uh, and, once you get below like 
25 <clears throat> on a regular basis, and it's oh. like it's fairly routine? Yep. Mm, no. But still, the I know that I think they've moderated a little bit, but it's going to be down near zero in, in I think, in parts of the Northeast this coming weekend. So. Yeah, yeah. And I just, I just don't. I just don't want to, I don't want to deal with it anymore. Right. And, and I don't mind, for example, I went back a couple of weekends ago and it wasn't bad. Uh, you know, you had snow on the ground and it was probably 28, 29, 30 degrees, but with no, no real wind. There was no wind. Right. And it was beautiful. You get out when there's no wind. If it's 20 degrees or it's 15 degrees, there's zero wind. Mm-hmm. You go out. It's okay. And that was the kind of thing. It was between 15 and, 30 degrees, but mostly in the 20s, mm-hmm. mid-20s, and no wind. It was like, well, this is okay. Yeah. <laughs> but the wind starts. It's like, nah, get me out of here. I, so so uh, here I am, just an old man complaining about winter. Well, that's what I become. Yeah. An old man on the radio complaining about wintertime. Mm-hmm. When I was young, we used to walk five miles to school. In yeah, those yeah. snowstorms, and we liked it that way. Of course. No, we didn't. Yeah, no. um, it's. Uh, I um, am looking forward to <laughs> the return to a, what has otherwise been a really warm or mild winter for us. Yeah, we had this, yeah except for Christmas. This yeah. cold spill, yeah. spell and, and the temperature drop in December, and that was really it. Yeah, that was. You know? Yeah, and it's been, it's been pretty. Well, pretty we were good. at seventy on Saturday. No, oh, I know. I was at the driving room. I was get, I was taking a golf lesson. I was in my yard Saturday. all day. <laughs> you know, and it was great. I knew this weather was coming. That's why I did it. I was like, all right, here's a chance to get a little sunlight, and uh, and got some things done, and and that's what I like the most is the ability to do that. I'll still get out when it's cold, but when everything's covered in ice, it's like, all right, you really can't move. No, you can't. And uh, yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be okay by by uh, we'll be up to but sixty three by Monday. So yeah, and I don't care. I don't even care if it goes on to thirty two at night. Just get me get me into the fifties. Well, yeah, that's it. Uh, that's actually I'm actually very okay with that. And this sort of. Because all this happening, I was going to go to the the. I was during the week this week. I was going to go to the stock show. That's probably done because I, I got too much going Actually, on this week. They were went. yesterday morning. They were they were loading in. They had, you know, uh, they did a live shot. One of the uh, news stations here did a live shot, and they were pulling in trailers yeah. and loading in. And we're talking about the the Fort Worth stock show and mm-hmm. rodeo that goes yeah. on every year. Yeah, this is kind of stock show weather, really. I mean. You know, they, it seems not, at least once, at, at least once during the show, you get some kind of winter weather. And that's kind of been the history. That's why they call it stock show weather. So, yeah. Um, but they're, you know, I, again, I don't mind the temperatures, just no ice. <laughs> and we have more ice. Oh, we got way. more ice have, coming. Apparently yes. about uh, another 24 hours worth. So over the next 24 <laughs> hours, we're going to get, um, they say, quite a di- quite a bit more. Freezing rain this time, not sleet. The amount of sleet coming down yesterday at my house around 8 a.m. with thunder and lightning. It was, it was wild. It was <laughs> really wild. 
and did not let up for a good 25 to 30 minutes. Coming up, the FBI conducted a search of the Penn Biden Center back in November. Oh. We didn't hear about this from the White House. The yeah. White House never said that that happened. Right. Why not? No no transparency Why there. Why is the story changing? Yep. It, it, it seems every week there's something new that's big. Every Democrat votes in the House not to end the COVID emergency. Hmm. And $5 million per qualified person for reparations in San Francisco. Not enough. Told you. Details on the way, 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE, uh, uh, if you'd like to uh, get in. So the House on Tuesday ignored opposition from uh, the president and voted to end the public health emergency related to COVID-19, uh, winning support from some House Democrats on a second bill that would end the government's requirement that federal health care workers must be vaccinated against COVID. The two bills... The Pandemic is Over Act and the Freedom for Healthcare Workers Act were uh, planned by Republicans last week. And late Monday, the White House announced that it will terminate the national COVID emergency on May 11th. The White House also announced the opposition to the two bills up uh, for a vote yesterday. But Republicans pressed on anyway and easily passed both measures despite the GOP's narrow majority in the House. The Pandemic is Over Act, which would end the public health emergency passed 220 to 210 in a vote that saw every Republican vote for it and every Democrat vote against it. Think about that. That's pretty simple. Most Americans have lived their are living their lives now, right? Yeah. The vast majority of Americans are living their life. Every it shows you how radical again the Democrats are. Every single Democrat voted against ending the COVID emergency. Right. That. And and we're supposed to believe that this magical date of May 11th, 11th right. is the key. And again, I'm sure the thing was, well, because uh, the president's doing it on May 11th, which gives the federal departments the time to blah, 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 blah. Well, what it translates into is that we've got a great deal of money on the table and we need to spend it. We need to spend, spend, spend uh, the Freedom from Healthcare Workers uh, Act, or for Healthcare Workers Act, not from <laughs> <laughs> Freedom from Healthcare Workers. Keep those <laughs> nurses away from me. Yeah, I, I'm going to stay healthy. I want freedom from these healthcare workers. Freedom for Healthcare Workers uh, uh, Act, which would end the vaccination requirement for federal healthcare workers, passed 227 to 203 with the help from seven Democrats who jumped aboard All right. on that one. All right. So making look, that was bipartisan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Got seven Democrats, bipartisanship right. uh, in the, uh, the, the, uh, the works. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's just fascinating. It is really, I, I, you know, we've talked a lot today about the culture wars, about the border and everything else. It is really amazing just how radical 
the Democratic Party is, maybe not all the voters, mm-hmm. but the party is as radical as a political party, I believe, that we've ever seen in the United States with this kind of power. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I don't think that's over-the-top rhetoric at all. No. No. The things that they believe in defy science, and they proudly promote it. Well, because it's not even a discussion anymore. They're trying to implement this as policies, and it's and and think about it. The ground game is very scary because what are they doing? They're implementing these at the local, county, and state levels. This is what they want to do, and then dare Republicans to try and block it or work to get it out of uh, policy. And this is the, you know, this is the, this was always going to be the play. I'm grateful we have people like Governor DeSantis in Florida that have been able to see it and say, no, we're not going to do this in our state. But it doesn't stop the left. Uh, a, A victory by a Governor DeSantis and the GOP in that state does not mean a victory over the agenda. They are no. more determined now than ever to get this stuff implemented. This is and and they're pretty they're they're pretty proud of the fact that they are uh, that this is about uh, inst- instilling all of this into the young minds of uh, of of children in schools everywhere. Indoctrination now is proudly worn as a badge of honor by the left they believe and they've said it you're too stupid to be involved in your kids education eric swalwell these are things that they have said out loud where they and that wasn't a quote where they believe you have no place in your child's education. Why is that? Because you can see what's going on now. I believe that's one of the downfalls for them. One of the downfalls, I think, is a benefit. But they see it as a downfall of the whole uh, remote learning thing. Was that parents were also at home while their kids were there. So parents were sitting in the classroom with their kids. And, and going, what the and hell? And saying, is- whoa. <laughs> What is this? And it's an eye-opener for a lot of parents. I think that's a benefit. Well, we'll see how far uh, the fight goes. But it's not over. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.
so good, you know you want to listen again with our podcast, available on our app and at RedEyeRadioShow.com. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. I love this story here. All right. This uh, saw this in the, uh, the New York Post. Former NFL star Chad Johnson was not all about the glitz and glam when he play, played in the NFL, which he did for 11 years. was an all-star, star NFL wide receiver, admitted that when he played, he never flew private jets. He could have. Hmm. He, he said, I saved money by flying Spirit Airlines, and all the jewelry I was wearing was fake. <laughs> all right. <laughs> he said, fly private? I ain't flying private. By the way, when you're at that level, that's an interesting point. When you're at that level and you're wearing jewelry that's fake, nobody even asks whether it's fake or not. No. <laughs> they assume it's real yeah. because of you know who you are. Wow. Put me on spirit, exit row, window seat. That's all I need. As long as I get from point A to point B, I don't need private. He estimated he saved 83% of his salary in making those shrewd moves, like living in the Cincinnati Bengals facility as a rookie, among other things. He just bunked there. <clears throat> I get the, What is this, Rudy? <laughs> right. <laughs> he goes, I never bought. Uh, I never bought real anything when I was playing. Yeah. Never. What was the point? The women are going to deal with you anyway because of who you are. Right. <laughs> yeah. I love it. <laughs> he said, he goes, well, why would I buy a $50,000 watch, an $80,000 watch? Yeah. You know, why is that? A, I have to ask this question. Why is that a status symbol? You know, when I, I don't know. Whenever I watch golf, you know, all the golfers wear watches. Right. And they're very expensive watches. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I never I never understood the concept. Maybe when I was young, mm -hmm. but you know, I don't need a Now, I know I'm not talking about one of the, you know, one of the, uh, you know, the new watches, the uh, right, smart, smart watches. Watch, right. You know, these are the these are the basically Rolex watches that they're, you know, that they all wear. And I'm like, a watch? Mm -hmm. I just that never made sense to me ever. I just I never got that as a status symbol. I I guess uh, for some it's jewelry, but not over the top jewelry. Okay, <laughs> it's, it's, for me, it's, it's all about functionality. You know, it's, it's jewelry with a purpose. <laughs> yeah, what's um, the time? <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, that's it. Um, who was it? Was it Kawhi Leonard when he first hit uh, in the NBA and he was talking about, the story came out, hey, don't mess with my my uh, uh, Taco Bell coupons and all these things. And he talked about how he was really, really careful with his money, um, you know, even as he was on the rise. To start him in the NBA, I think it was Kawhi Leonard, if I if I remember correctly. But it was like you know, he, and and the the word was he had a roommate, he shared an apartment, even when he could afford, you know, whatever. And then he had a bunch of like Taco Bell coupons or whatever in the. And frankly, if it's Taco Bell, do you need a coupon? <laughs> but he had them, you know, in a drawer, like in the kitchen. And it's like don't mess with those, you know. 
And uh, I remember when Barkley came out and he was like, look, the one thing I learned was you need, you know, one car, maybe two cars, uh, good cars to get you from A to B. What you don't need is a huge collection of cars, you know, that kind of spending, you know. So he was, uh, and it was after he played, uh, and it was, he was basically advising young people mm-hmm. uh, and, and young players. Um, there's a, a viral video of Kevin Hart being on somebody's podcast, uh, but the video where he's breaking it down going, okay, here's you know, what you do with your money, because this much is going to go to your lawyers and then your agent and then uh, taxes. And then this is what you're left with, because everybody, you know, with with his rise, it was just huge. And he said, this is what you're left with. You take half of that. You cut half of that and you put that away. You don't touch it. Yeah. You know, and it's it. I love seeing that kind of conversation happening because, you know, it's there often is the case with fame. It's like, all right, they went from, you know, zero money to boom. Hammer. All the money. Oh, yeah. Hammer. Right, I mean, right. he had, remember? His entourage was a small town. And he talked about it. He's blue <laughs> yeah. money left and right. 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 Next thing you know, he's bankrupt. He's got right. nothing. Right. He had to right. sell everything. It's right. like. I, I don't well, care. And you it know, wasn't I, like it wasn't like. Uh, and he, by the way, he worked his butt off to get where oh, where yeah. where he was. So right, he right. knew the value. That's what always got me about him. He knew the value of the dollar. Right. Right. Because he was working. I mean, he he was peddling his records when he was. Uh, you know, I think believe he was doing stuff for the Oakland A's at that point. Right. Right. And and right. Uh, you know, and so he was he was working his butt. He was selling records out of his car. Well, and so I mean, here's somebody who's hustled. And it's like, and and he admits. I mean, he admits what he what he did wrong. And I don't know if he ever, you know, if you ever recoup money back because you don't really hear Hammer anymore. But I mean, he was so big, he was as big as big can be for yeah. for probably a you know a five year uh, uh, thing. But when you look at a professional athlete, when you first go in, you you know, in the NFL, it's four years, right? The average player that actually gets on the active roster is is four years. I was watching a a video the other day; it just came up of uh these young hockey players and they're all you know making a million dollars probably between a million and four million dollars and it was mm-hmm. amazing that you know and they're they're younger though it's a i was watching it's from the the buffalo sabers and yeah, yeah. They, they have the youngest team in the league and these are all these guys are like 22 23 they share an apartment and they show the apartment it's extremely bare just a couch right. they go right we're practicing we're traveling we're just you know this is where and they basically have a nice tv yeah. and a, and a yeah. couch right. but it was a right i mean it wasn't it wasn't a rundown apartment, but right. it was extremely bare. It was like, okay, we're just living here, bare minimum. Yeah, right. ex- ex- and right. I went, oh, okay. Somebody's probably telling them. First thing that came to my mind, somebody's probably giving them their financial advice, or they've got parents, you know, yeah. that are that are doing it because yeah. we know. I mean, how many we've seen it with professional athletes and and uh, you know people that may you know hit it, uh, you know, in in Hollywood for a short period of time. Next thing you know, they're homeless and whatever. And it's like, mm-hmm. how does that happen? Right. Yeah. No, that just that shouldn't uh, uh, happen. What's the guy? Uh, what's his name? Um, oh, from uh, from Happy Days. I can't. Scott Bale. Mm. You know, and and he's more conservative. Right. And so uh, I'll never forget when him and 
Henry Winkler were going back and forth in, in, yeah. <laughs> on Twitter. That was just great. Right. But he talked about it and, you know, people critic. you don't even have a job these days. And he said, I don't have to work. Right. And basically what he said was, I put my money away. I didn't go crazy with my money when I was young and, and I invested it and saved it. And now I don't have to work. Right. And it's, and these people are like trying to get on his case. See, you don't have a Hollywood career. I don't need to work. And I'm like, what? That's the greatest response ever. I don't need to well, work. It's interesting because, you know, there were a couple of people that I saw along the way that I thought, you know, as actors, if they took on like a more serious role, like if they wanted to, they could they could probably fit in, in a number of things. I saw like, uh, you know, like a Scott Baio as a cop or a lawyer or something like that, or even as a like a, a mafia type guy, like a mafia leader. I could see him in a role like that. He probably had a number of things along the way where it was, all right, look, this is, I'm going to be typecast for the rest of my life. You just assume it. He, I, I've never heard him say this, but I'm assuming that if you believe that, if you believe your typecasting is there and it's not going to change, then the only thing you can do is put that money away and invest. Well, he was in three series. Yeah. Well, yeah. actually four. Yeah. Uh, Charles and Charlie. It was in Happy Days mm-hmm. and then Joni Loves Chachi. Right. And then, uh, and then, as you just said, Charles in Charge. Mm-hmm. And then he was also in the, the one with Dick Van Dyke. Mm-hmm. Remember where Dick Van Dyke was like a doctor who was. Oh, yeah, he was, yeah, he was, yeah, he was, yeah. He was, he was, what was that? I can't think of the name of it. And where he, where he was a doctor who did investigations on the side. It was yeah, sort right. of like, yeah. we've already done yeah. Quincy. Right. We've done the medical examiner as basically a PI. Let's do a doctor as basically a PI. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because I also saw in a serious role uh, Ray Romano. Yeah. And he actually did get one in uh, The Irishman. Which and which was, he played a, a lawyer that represented uh, a mafia guy. And, and I thought to myself, you know, if... You you just your viability, right? Like Ray Romano doesn't ever need to work again. He's far mm-hmm. from it. But your viability in any career field, you know, has to be considered and you plan accordingly, which is basically assume that it's all over tomorrow, so that you put everything away that you've got something there long term. there was another guy, I think he I think he played for Washington. That Washington team in the in the NFL, I can't remember their name. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, I think they're just I, called the Washington team. I think the one. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and and in the they they talked about this guy like drove a junker, mm-hmm. you know, and he was he knew his career was going to be limited. Yeah. And so he just he lived, you know, he lived way beneath his means. And he said, "You walk into the parking lot, <laughs> all these fancy cars and this piece of crap." Mm-hmm. Sitting there, and that's what he drove. Yeah, it was like, well, you know, it gets yeah. me from here to there. It's like I love that. I have, I, have I a, love that when people are when when people do that. I have a friend who's tremendously successful, and for years drove a Ford Escort with the rubber floor. He picked me up from the airport one time in the city where he lives, and he picks me up and he goes. You got to see this. And I said, what? He goes, look. And it's a small basic toolkit. You know, the flat toolkit mm-hmm. you keep in your car. Look at that. I said, okay. He says, 
I found it on the side of the road. It was free. And I'm like, wow. We go to his house. Now, his house is posh. And it uh, it sits on the shore of a, one of the Great Lakes. And he has a, a multi-car garage, the whole thing. But he came up poor. And he operates otherwise, you know, outside of the home uh, that he bought, which is, you can argue, is, of course, a massive investment, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and I think a luxury car for his wife. He did have one collector vehicle, an old VW, that he bought from a dealership that had never been sold. It sat in the showroom for a long time. But otherwise, he didn't spend any money. I mean, he didn't spend any money. And I think, you know, if you have that, you know, that mindset, it's almost like a game, which is how I treat it sometimes where you're, you're trying to come in really low. Okay. How, how much can I cut? How much from mm-hmm. the budget can I trim or how can I save here? How can I not spend money on this? And you understand that being frugal, uh, isn't always easy, but it's very possible. Yeah, I just love that story, especially when they're you know they're that young. And I I love that and they, have that mindset. They have that mindset at that when age, when yeah. all the fame is there and everything yeah. else. Yeah, and they have the maturity to say, eh, "I'm not going to do that." Right. Uh, yeah. Right. It, uh, yeah. It does. I don't need any of that. But, uh, but I love the fake jewelry. <laughs> That's the best. That's the best. That's the I'm best. a football player. I got all these jewelry. It's, you know, it's all fake. I, it's fake. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I don't like his attitude. Hey, I'm Chad Johnson. I'm in the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> What about, women don't really care if I wear the jewelry. Care. They don't care. No, really. I'm his, a, more more important than the jewelry is the uniform that he's wearing every exactly. week. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio. Toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Progressive Commercial Insurance protects truck owners with specialized coverages for heavy trucks. Get a quote in as little as five minutes at ProgressiveCommercial.com. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Coming up following the top of uh, the hour, the latest on, uh, what are we calling it now? Is yeah. it, uh, it's not VetGate anymore. It's not CorvetteGate. It's not GarageGate anymore. It's not uh, BidenGate. Is it DocuGate? I Whatever. think it's just the Biden presidency. <laughs> well, we found out that uh, the FBI did search Biden's pen office uh, yeah. In uh, the uh, looks like the middle of uh, November. Mm-hmm. And, interesting. I was reading Andrew McCarthy, and he said mm, probably was the the attorney out of uh, the federal attorney out of Chicago, Lausch, mm. who you know who got them to do that because it's like, well, why aren't we? You know, we we haven't searched what's going on. Right. Right. But the fact is, there's been no transparency there. We'll have a transparency comment uh, uh, from CNN. Actually, asked to one of the, the spokes uh, uh, people not named Kirby or. Corrine Jean-Pierre yesterday, so we'll get to that. Plus, just a fascinating thing going on in Georgia, where now Democrats who didn't want the All-Star game there want 
the DNC in 2024 to be there. Hmm. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Hey, that's part one of our show. Don't miss the rest. Click part two on our website, redeyeradioshow.com, or Red Eye Radio phone app to hear the rest of the show. And thanks for listening to Red Eye Radio. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? Can <laughs> you pay me more? Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord, we get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.